tonight on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, Cooking with the Daleks. Enjoy the recipe that will exterminate your species. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. In 2019, all Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night have been enhanced with multivitamins and more than seven essential audio nutrients to help augment your listening experience. Tonight, in episode 405, we look forward with great excitement to listening to people talk while wondering, just what is a G-flat major? Interesting, you say. Perhaps. Candy floss for the years? Most certainly. On staff for tonight's podcast is our own prodigious prestidigitator of protons and electrons, sitting in at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Gaming Console and Help Desk, Kriana. And me, I'm just your host, a man with a dream of wings that worked, the Dome. In December of 2017, our listeners first met Nick Shakespeare. A scant 13 months later... Nick has returned. So naturally, we all want to know, what's he done? What's he doing? What's new and exciting? Please welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the eloquent and amiable Nick Shakespeare. Hey, Dome. Happy to be here. Thanks for bringing <laughs> me back on. Well, you know, we, we always say things like, you know, we, we want to get you back and, and find out what's been going on. And I was talking to the booking monkey a couple of weeks back actually before the end of the year and i said monkey what's up with nick and he goes i'll shoot him an email and let's find out and let's do that so when we talked a year and actually 13 months ago you had done i think one of your very first uh conventions at Keene, mm. and and uh, had had begun uh actually been close to uh, chapter one of the siren song, All for a Tooth. That's right. <clears throat> um, and since then, I, uh, I went to Plastic City Comic Con in, a, I think that was April. Yes, and we, and we met up there again, and I went, so what's new? And you had all these pictures and stuff to show me oh, for, yeah. ch for chapter two of Escape from Haven's Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been shipping away a little, but I, uh, I kind of ran into a wall and, um, I decided to kind of redo the entire look of the comic, not in a crazy way, but, you know, just as I want to be working on this comic for the next decade, I'm honing in on the look for it. I think I found something good. 
So you've gone back to All for a Tooth and kind of redone it and, and reworked it? Yeah. I mean, I'm still in the process of it, but, um, yeah, I mean, given all, I've gotten a lot of notes over the past 13 months about, uh, you know, various things to work on. And, uh, I decided that, you know, since it's, I'm showing that comic as an electronic medium, I still have the ability to edit it, even though there are, you know, printed copies out there at the end of the day. Um, you know, I kind of want the whole thing to have the same look. And if that means touching up a page or two, even if that page was published already, then so be it. So the good news is there's all kinds of new stuff going on as well as, uh, um, kind of patching and tweaking the back pages of chapter one. That's it, yeah. But, um, and I actually, honestly, I came into, in addition to that, work has definitely picked up. As uh, as I said last time, I'm a storyboard artist. And, I mean, I don't know if it's a golden age of TV, but we certainly have a heck of a lot more. <laughs> There's a lot of it. <laughs> Whether it's a golden age or not is a whole other story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole load of TV out there, and, you know, I've just been picking up whatever I can and keeping busy doing storyboards. Um, and the problem is, when so, you're good at your craft, people actually want your work. Hey, what can I say? No, it, it, it makes sense, and it, it's, it's a wonderful idea. So, what, what in, in lieu of actually working on Escape from Haven's Bay, which you've kind of put aside for the moment you've been doing a lot of storyboarding what is it what what's kind of stuff you've been working on uh well recently i've been working on you know a couple new shows like fbi god friended me some called the village um and a new show called miss fletcher as well as a bunch of old shows like blind spot billions the good fight power um the Enemy Within, I think that's a new one. And actually, have you heard of the book Nosferatu? I have. Not, I not have. Even, no, not, like not, 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 not like from 1900, but yeah. <laughs> but the new one where Nosferatu is a um, license plate. Mm-hmm. That one, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm forgetting the author and totally ruining it. If you know it, you know, let's give him props, but uh they're turning that into a show now and uh i did some storyboards for them and honestly it looks really cool so yes if there's any fans of nosferatu out there get ready because it's coming so to to refresh the listener's mind once again the storyboard artist is kind of a bridge between the author's work and the director's intention in that it, it it gives them visual a visual context from which to work, or have I said that that's, all wrong? Oh no, that's absolutely it. <laughs> I consider myself uh, I consider myself a visual translator. Um, when the director is trying to tell everybody else what's on their mind, uh, the director and I talk over what is actually in their head. I draw it out. 
and we show it to the rest of the crew and everybody says, oh, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> then we're all on the same page. So are you actually working on the storyboards during production of the show itself? Yeah. I mean, we do the storyboards before the actual shooting starts in uh, pre-production. So in pre-production, that's when we do it. And sometimes if it's a fight sequence, they're going to want storyboards uh, to see what they're dealing with. Um, so like if they do a practice run, uh, if they do a choreography meeting to go over the actual bits of the fight scene, sometimes they'll bring the storyboard artist in to look at what they're doing. And, and sometimes they want storyboards ahead of time so they can, you know, match it up. So it's essentially a fluid context that's, that's constantly changing throughout the shoot. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Or can be. I mean, yeah, I mean, and given how many, how easy it is to do rewrites, I'll get called in at the last minute and say, hey, you know, the whole, the car thing, it's gone. We gotta, you know, work over it somehow. Or we lost yeah. this character, so we have to rewrite the last 10 pages without him. Exactly. Well, I mean, generally people are on a contract, so that's less of a case. But you never know. <laughs> Stranger things happen. They very much do. So, are you? Where do you spend your time? Are you actually on set? Do you do you work with? Uh, do you telecommute to where you need to be? Uh, I work at home mostly. I've got this big monitor tablet. You know, I cut the whole setup. I'm trying to work a standing desk, but honestly, it's. I find myself sitting half the time. I never found it to be useful, to be honest with you. It's, it's like, a, yeah, it's I stand, I stretch, I'm done, I'm sitting again. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to get one of those balls, so at least I have better posture when I'm drawing. But, you know. But, uh, I, I'll go I've also the, found that the bouncy seats don't work real well either. But that's just me because I kind of get, you know, I got the coffee in one hand, I start bouncing, and it's like, no, oh, I've got coffee all over the place. So that's a bad idea. I mean, I'll go into the office for a meeting and then head back home. Uh, but my favorite thing is actually telecommuting and having a FaceTime meeting or even a phone meeting or even an email meeting. Nice. Stay in pajamas. <laughs> That's the best. That's the, when when your commute is walking from the kitchen to your office. Oh, yeah. And my but, wife and I are trying to get a house sometime soon. So I'm like, if I can work telecommuting, we can move anywhere. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That 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 makes everybody's life, but especially your life, much more palatable. Yeah. So at, at at any point in time, and this is another one of those weird questions because I'm, I'm kind of obsessing on your lifestyle here and the way you make this work. How many different projects are you working on at any one time? Um, a few. Uh, let's see. Right now, I just finished up some storyboards for Miss Fletcher, The Village. Um, you know, I'm on hold for power because... They may have rewrites and they're also doing a fight scene and they're trying to figure out how the choreography is going to go. I got a meeting tomorrow with another show. I mean, I think I'm working on four now. Sometimes it varies for like five or six. 
but generally, you know, I have a few uh, regulars and then, you know, a smattering of other ones. So. And how I'm really getting into this for no apparent reason. Other than, I love it. I'm, I'm terribly interested in how do they come to you? How do they find you? Uh, well, um, uh, six years ago around this actual time, um, I joined the union and as a beginner, you get nothing. Um, honestly, uh, I was sending postcards to everybody saying I do storyboards. Um, but you know, once you get your first bite, then it just grows exponentially from there. And now, I mean, resume or not, you know, word of mouth travels fast and, the TV community is actually pretty small. So there's just like this little group of people that, you know, you kind of know everybody. It's and a very insular group too. Work. So it's very insular. So once you're in, if people are comfortable with what you're doing and the way you're doing it, you're literally in. Yeah. I mean, and you know, just the opposite works. If you, if your first impression is not a good one, then you're going to have trouble. But again, since we have so many shows going on, everybody's getting work. <laughs> well, I mean, there's TV, new networks popping up every damn week. Entire networks. Yeah. If you want to do TV, come on down to New York. You'll get a job. We're waiting. I mean, DC just opened up a new streaming service. Uh, what? Oh, God, yes. DC has their own streaming service now, and they're doing original programming. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and and one of their first original shows was Titans, which is a, a kind of remake of, of Teen Titans that's uh, live action, and it's, it's wonderful. Oh, I'm very into that. Awesome. Oh, speaking of which, have you heard the uh, unfortunate news about Netflix and Marvel? Uh, that um, everything on Marvel, on Marvel on Netflix, is going to die. There it is, and it's unfortunate because there's some stuff there that is, is very translatable and could move over to Disney, but they're not going to allow it to. Yeah, I mean it's. There's a lot of weird contract work and what's technically owned by Netflix and what's technically owned by Disney. And and what Marvel technically owns to be able to use, I mean, even some of its own characters like Spider-Man or the Fantastic oh. Four are in this odd little limbo. I know, well, hopefully Disney and Fox sign that deal and we can get a giant Marvel universe. How about we get a good Fantastic Four movie? <laughs> that would be lovely. That would be fantastic. It we've really, been waiting. We we've been waiting patiently for something like that. <laughs> and of course, it doesn't hurt that you know, in the heart of it, you're a fanboy. Mm. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, for guys like you and me, just just getting this stuff out and watching it and seeing it is is the most fun I've had in, in a while. Um, so, 
go ahead. I'm sorry. The, that's the fun thing about this day and age is, um, you know, production costs have gotten cheaper and cheaper. If you want to do CGI, it's getting easier and easier. So, like, nowadays, we can get superhero TV shows and just pump it out. It's so easy to make them that... That doesn't look like a bad George Romero film. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. I mean, George Romero, for those of you who don't remember, actually produced the very first Fantastic Four movie. No way! And if you look it up on, uh, I believe it's on YouTube in its entirety. And it's, yeah, that should never have happened. <laughs> it's one of those kind of deals. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was it was kind of the antithesis of every Fantastic Four movie that's happened after, since in that it leaves you very sad. Very sad. Oh. I mean, the only good thing about the middle one was, uh, I'm sorry, the third one was the Silver Surfer, which was Doug Jones, and he was tremendous, but there was no support for it. Mm. Uh, it's like, it's, it feels like a cursed franchise. It well could be, it well could be, but at some point, now that, now that Marvel is finding itself collectivized under the Disney imprint, maybe something can happen. That would be nice. You know what? what can we just talk about like the amazing journey that Marvel Studios has gone through? Sure. <laughs> I have no problem with that at all. It's, it's been a, a really, really interesting ride. That uh, so They start by selling all of their characters all of their franchise rights except for the core avengers because they're waiting for that special day when they get enough money that they're going to make uh essentially an independent movie because they weren't they didn't have they didn't make iron man with any studios that was all of their own money right into it and they put all of their chips on the first iron man but they, but there was another thing that they were waiting for too, and it it was the stuff that was pioneered by Spielberg and by Lucas in getting the special effects working in such a way that it was accessible to people beyond people with PhDs and and uh, Cray computers, so that you know. You know, you're sitting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're sitting and you sell Spider-Man to Sony and then you sell the Fantastic Four to uh, to somebody else. Then you sell the X-Men to somebody else and you go, okay, now it's time. <laughs> now they're ready. And I and can't believe they cast Paul Bettany as Jarvis. Only to have him be Vision, not in the first Avengers movie, but the second one. Like, half a decade later, they're ready to <laughs> finally use Paul Bettany. Yeah. <sighs> and that's the other thing that they did, too, um, that, that DC has just fallen apart badly with, is their casting. They've taken real oh. good with casting in, in a way that uh, with, with one exception, and that was the Incredible Hulk movies prior to, uh, you, you know, 
So it, it, in the grand tradition of everybody makes mistakes sometimes. <laughs> they got theirs out really early on, which is nice for all of us. Absolutely. And, and now there's just this, we are in a superhero kind of harvest season where people are almost <laughs> getting tired of it because there's so much good stuff around. I know mm-hmm. that was one of Java's biggest things. Ah, I'm done with superhero movies. There's just too many of them. Oh, did you did you see Captain America? Oh, yeah, that was great. You know, that kind of a deal. <laughs> but, uh, but the you know, it's it's now a a pick and choose for a lot of people. And I've you know, I keep trying to give DC a chance. And and mm. I did with their their last big uh uh, How was Aquaman? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see the Fast and the Furious movies? Uh, Add water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Add yeah, water I, and a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I sat there and I went, "This is a video game that is too loud, too complicated," and I just don't. Care. And I love Jason Momoa as an actor. I think love he's terrific. Jason Momoa. And um, you know, even a lot of the supporting cast was was pretty much right on. But it's just not. It's it's not. <laughs> DC. That's. I mean, that's gotta hurt to have like seven out of the past eight movies just not be good. But you know what the but you know what the weird thing is? The weird thing is, their the DC animated stuff is amazing. Really? I absolutely I absolutely love it. The the Batman animations, uh, they put out three or four a year. They're wonderful because they can take their time with them and do the kinds of things they want to do. They have great actors coming in to do the voices. Um, the animation itself is. You know, as good as we let animation be these days, it, it's no <laughs> Chuck Jones, Warner Brothers stuff. But I mean, it's oh. it's decent animation for its time, and uh, you know, they they really put a lot of strength and effort into that. And and again, with DC, the stuff that I'm seeing uh, on their new streaming network to this point, and granted, it's early and young, is definitely worth it. Definitely oh. worth the effort. So yeah, I, I mean, love a good, love a good animated movie. Yeah, me too. I mean, Kriana hates animated movies, eh. but but for me, you know, I mean, we're we're not talking Watership Down or Scooby Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters here. We're actually talking some really decent stuff. So eh. I, you know, and and for me, uh, if it's a choice between uh, Batman v Superman or any animated Batman movie, any animated oh. Batman movie comes first. My goodness. Hands down. So what is going to happen? Bringing us full circle, what mm. is going to happen to Haven's Bay? Escape from Haven's well, Bay. Well, chapter two really, originally I started with a much larger 
storyline for uh, Haven's Bay, but I realized it was so large that I had to split it into two chapters. Now, the first one is finished. That's all for a tooth. And as you would expect, Escape from Haven's Bay is when they get up and out of Haven's Bay. One would hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one would hope. Uh, they've been there for 13 months. So, not really. They've been there for like a night. Um, but I'm hoping by the end of this year, I can actually round it out and tell that story. And I'm really excited because I, I want everybody to get to meet the rest of the crew and, you know, feel the camaraderie there and get the hell out of there and get to the seas. This is a pirate story. They should be in a boat by now. It absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's fun for me, if and only because uh, I was kind of there, you know, when it was just in its infancy and I met oh, you and that, that was, that was a lot of fun for me going through and seeing uh, uh, Gail and Kiri and Zuri and Bethany and the, and how the crew developed and stuff. Uh, and has that, has, have, have those classifications changed? And have you changed uh, the characters the, a lot? The, no, I mean, the characters are, the characters, like, you know, I've been honing them down for years. and Or really, I should say, like, making the characters is like making a sculpture. You chisel them down from giant, undefined blocks of granite, and then... You know, over time, they become more and more unique and defined. And right now, I'm just polishing them. I've been working on these guys for about 10 years, honestly. And they're all, they're so full in my head that I'm just ready to let them spill out onto the page. So the names are, they're pretty much set in stone. And uh, I have the rough, um, I guess I could call it the rough storyboards of the rest of the pages. All the panels are figured out. It's just a matter of, you know, sitting down and grinding out the work. So when are fans of Siren Song going to be able to see you this coming year? Um, oh, boy, they. Uh, yeah, there's the top one. There Take a, a weekend fun. and and come and see the people. Are you are you I planning really, on doing conventions this year, or what's what's the deal? Honestly, I wasn't even thinking of it. I I mean, if I do a convention, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to have something. Um, God, honestly, I think if I'm being honest, uh, I, I honestly I have no idea. I, I should have thought of that question coming, but well, you yeah, knew nothing. somehow it was going to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I will be updating the um, the website as often as any pages come, and but in terms of I'm I'm based in New York now, uh, but my parents live in Vermont, so getting up there requires a kind of a big hike not that i don't do it often but i don't know planning around and such and such well, i love hopefully, to come do 
I'd love to come uh, up and show something, but I just got to get that something first. And well, yeah, that one. that's it, there's a sequentiality to it that you have to. Have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that we're hoping to put together this summer is a "Where Are They" kind of chart calendar. So uh, if you're going to be at a convention, please do let us know so that. Uh, your fans who, who listen to the show will know where they can go see you. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, let me throw this back at you. Uh, if you know of any conventions, please let me know because, you know. Well, I was going to say, you know, idea. I've stopped doing uh, the show. We stopped doing the very, very large conventions because, A, they're very, very large. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I learned and, that last time at Plastic City. Oh, Plastic City is very small by by comparison to stuff like really? Boston and and New York and and Philadelphia, and uh, you know Plastics. Yeah, y y when you started out, uh, and I think, like I said, Keen was I think your first one. That was yeah. a, a very relaxing afternoon. That was delightful. And you know those smaller conventions. Um, there, there are a number of those very small ones. Uh, Plastic City is, I guess, becoming a medium-sized one. Vermont Comic Con is becoming a medium-sized one as well. And uh, 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 Granite Con in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, is uh, becoming uh, one of the largest in northern New England. Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's wonderful. And GraniteCon has been our home base for 15 years now. So oh, wow. it's it, it's an awful lot of fun. Yeah, actually, they were the first... One of the first shows that we did was with them uh, when we were on terrestrial radio, that ever-so-much-fun place. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you, you know, if you, you can... Uh, uh, I, I can shoot you information on stuff as it comes across. Be more than happy to do it. In fact, I'll, I'll, I will task Cameron with that because Booking Monkey just doesn't have enough to do. <laughs> and when he hears this, I will get a death call. Uh, hey, you know, Nick, it, it's always fun to talk and it's always fun to catch up. And it's it's great to talk to somebody who's who's doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, Dom, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. I want to remind everybody that Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Com, Key Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con. Because I don't you provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, look at robwattsonline.com. Pick up some of his hot sauce. The outro music you're listening to right now is by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their groups on lawrencemademecry.com. A big hello.
to Joe and Celine. Many thanks to Kriana for helping us out tonight. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. We'll talk soon, Stacy. Enjoy the chaos, everyone. I know.